So um, we're on a series on, on Jesus and what Jesus is, was known as. And I want to start with a question. What are you known as or what are you known for? And um, in society, there are people that are known for different things. And I um, am into my football. And sometimes in football, uh, somebody is described as a bit of a, a powerhouse or an engine room if they're a box-to-box player. Um, when I was in secondary school, I played in, in goal uh, in year 12, and I was for some reason known as the cat, even though my surname is Fox. It confused me. It probably is going to confuse you. And uh, yeah, people are known for a whole host of different things. Maybe it is that you're known for a hobby that you do, or you're known for a certain t-shirt that you wear, but people are known for certain things. And um, a little bit more about me. I know some people put their hands up. I'm known uh, probably as somebody that loves geography. I'm a geography teacher in a secondary school. As Seb has already given the game away, I, uh, I love running and cycling, so I'm known as a bit of a runner. I've run the London Marathon in the last three years. And uh, I'm also uh, known... <laughs> yeah, give, give me a shout a wee for that. Um, also known as a Christian amongst my non-Christian mates, and uh, maybe le- less so amongst my Christian mates, but known as a Christian. And uh, this last week, I was in New Day, so there's no excuse if you're falling asleep, because I'm up here speaking, so if you're falling asleep and you went to New Day, that's, that's, there's no excuse. And at the end of uh, the week, the last, uh, last night or yesterday, we finished the week with some awards. And we gave some awards out for what people had gained a reputation for during the week. So um, just a little a couple of those awards. There was the Get Involved Awards. There was Abby that won the Get Involved Awards. She would be involved in anything. Washing up, first the Big Ten, first to worship, first to play sport. She just got involved. Abby was a great Get Involved-er. Um, there was the Happy Camper Award. The little girl called Faith. She was so happy all week. She just loved camping. I think something uh, gets into you as you get older. You stop loving camping. Uh, hands up if you love camping in here. There's about three hands, four or five hands in the air. And then I'm happy that Chandler put his hand up because uh, Chandler over there was the most chilled camper reward. And uh, that was because he just went round all week, just so chilled. And um, there was one other award. I can't actually tell you who won it. It was the Skunk Award. And uh, you probably would smell them before you'd see them. But, uh, you know, the Skunk Award, was, uh, it wasn't actually given out. But anyway, what are you known as? Jesus, in uh, this passage we're about to, to read, is known as the Good Shepherd, describes himself as the Good Shepherd. And we're going to look at that. But interestingly, to, to go back one chapter, chapter 9 in John, John chapter 9, Jesus heals a man born blind. This man had no sight since he was a kid. He grows up, he's never seen anything, then Jesus heals him, he makes him see. And you might think from that, I was thinking, oh, is Jesus now going to be introduced as the good optician? He's not introduced as the good optician, he brings in a new story, a story of Jesus the good shepherd. So we're going to read from John 10 and Jesus as the good shepherds. In fact, I've just left that piece of paper out. So here it is, Jesus the Good Shepherd. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. 
That says to me, it's okay if you don't understand. The guys that were listening to Jesus didn't understand. So Jesus goes again. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. I know Seb has prayed, but I'm just going to pray again. Everyone to bow our heads. Yes, Father, thank you for your words. Thank you that it has power. Thank you for these words of Jesus, the Good Shepherd. I pray that as we talk about these words, you, the Good Shepherd, would come alive to us. That it wouldn't just be words on a page, but they would have power for our lives. They would give us direction. And we would leave this place with eyes wanting to follow closely the good shepherd who is Jesus. Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so in this passage, twice it is said, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And if you want to get a point across, you say it twice, right? So he's really wanting to get this point across that he is the good shepherd. But interestingly, if you were listening carefully, he also describes himself as something else twice. And um, Jesus, who is the Son of God, who is saying that he was the Messiah, he's the creator of the heavens, the earth, everything in the universe, he doesn't just describe himself as the good shepherd, he describes himself as a door. And uh, I was looking at this and thinking, what, what's that all about? If you want to impress people, do you describe yourself as a door? And uh, it says a couple of times, Jesus, just straight out, I am the door. That is a sentence in this passage that we've just read. So not only do I want to focus on what it means to follow the good shepherd, what did Jesus mean when he said, I am the door? So we're going to start with um, the good shepherd. And there's four things that I want us to have a look at in terms of the good shepherd. First of all, first of all if we look at verse 3, verse 3 it says, To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So in terms of that, we've got two things here. We've got the good shepherd, Jesus. If we are the sheep, Jesus, the good shepherd, knows each and every one of your names, and he calls you. And that in itself, I've not really paraphrased that at all. That's a powerful sentence to say, isn't it? That Jesus knows your name, that he knows each and every one of our names. But then it says... Um, that in verse 3 again it says, The sheep hears voice and he calls his own sheep by name and, le- and leads them out. It says that the sheep hear his voice. So that's the first thing to, uh, to take away. That the, the sheep 
hear his voice. And they recognize the voice of the good shepherds. I want to ask you a question. Who do you recognize the voice of? If I was to get a guy at the back you'd never heard before, put him in front of a screen and said, who is this speaking? Nobody would be able to tell me who it is because you've never spent time with that person. You've never got to know that person. The people you recognize the voice are, are the family, the friends, the celebrities. You know the, the songs that you like. You can start joining in with them because you've heard them. You've spent time communicating. You've invested time in listening to them. Um, a, a story to bring that alive is two years ago, around this time, um, I went out to Canada. A mate of mine was getting married. His name's Con, and he's getting married to a Canadian girl. And uh, I went to Toronto, and I thought, oh, when in Canada, do all of Canada. Don't fall into that trick, because it's a massive country. And I had to spend about six hours on another flight getting to Vancouver. Spent about 10 days in Vancouver with my mate Sadie. Matt Sadie, Sadie. But uh, Sadie is his nickname. He's known to be Sadie. Anyway, and then um, for 10 days, we drove around the Rockies. Now, if you know anything about the Rockies, it's amazing. It's beautiful like with uh, glaciers, with waterfalls. Um, absolutely stunning landscape. But to get to different places, you've got to do a lot of driving. And the thing about doing a lot of driving is that you go slightly crazy in the car and um, there was five of us in the car and my mate Hugh was driving and Hugh um, did a fantastic job driving but we needed to make sure he stayed awake so we, we came up with some games as we went along and uh, me and um, there's three of us in the back and we came up with this game and the game was called Hugh Said It and what we would do we would pick one of us at random and um, we would have to say Hugh Said It in a really crazy voice to try, so to try and fall Hugh into guessing who it was so that he would guess the wrong person. And the thing is, this was a really, really fun game for a little while. When, it, when my mate George next to me was going saying stuff like, Hugh said it, and stuff like this, or whatever it was. But the thing is, every single time, Hugh knew, it, what, Hugh, Hugh knew who it was. Because Hugh is a good mate of, mate of ours, and as much as we tried to disguise our voice, Hugh still knew and recognized our voice. And if we bring this back to how does this, what does this mean for us as Christians, followers of Jesus? Jesus speaks, and we can recognize his voice through the word of God, through the Bible. And there might be a hundred distractions, there might be mufflings of his voice, but if we truly learn his voice through his words, we can understand it, even despite background noise, things going, going around. And just like Hugh could pick out the voice of his, one of his mates, we can pick out the voice of Jesus if we listen to his call and follow his call. So that's the first point, that we know the voice of the Good Shepherd. Second, is once we've got to know the voice of Jesus, the voice leads us. And in verse 4 it says... When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So we recognize the voice of Jesus. We spend time getting to know his voice, and then he leads us. We follow him. Just made a big deal going to New Day this week, and I've made a bit of a big deal, or Seb made a big deal of me being a runner. Add the two together, obviously, I went running whilst at New Day. And uh, two days ago, I um, was on a run, and if you know anything about Norwich, where New Day is, um, Norwich is one of the places in the UK that has the most amount of farming in the UK. There's two types of farming, a little bit of a geography lesson here. There is uh, pastoral farming, which is crop farming, and there's arable farming, which is fielding uh, sheep, cattle, whatever it is. Now, um, Norwich, I'm still going on this, is known for its uh, pastoral farming. It's got loads of crops, it's really fat, flat, it's not really fat, it's really flat. 
But just so be it, next to New Day, there was a few pens, a few uh, field of sheep. So I was going along my morning run, and uh, I saw the field of sheep, and I thought, oh, hang on, that's funny. I'm doing a talk on the Good Shepherds. Maybe I'll get a story out of this. So I was running along, saw the, saw the field of sheep, and then I could hear one sheep in particular going a bit crazy. And I thought, what's this sheep doing that's making it go a bit crazy? Then I realized that this sheep was on its own. And why was it on its own? It had escaped out of the field and was on the road. And it was a reasonably busy road. And this sheep was down just a little track next to the busy road. And I thought, well, this is, this is my chance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create a really good story for Sunday night. I'm going to be the good shepherd. So I saw the sheep. I thought, probably can take it. Yeah, okay. I thought, in my mind, oh, I get the sheep, I return it to the farm, I just put it back in the field, and I'll tell everyone how I picked up a sheep, and then I put it back in the field, and I was the good shepherd, and it was all great. So I thought, oh, I started running towards the sheep. What do you think the sheep did when I started running towards it? It went crazy. It was just going left, it was going right, it was going straight. It didn't know what to do, it didn't know where to go. It was, it, it was scared of me running towards it. And... Um, in that moment, coming back to this, this scripture, it says in verse 4, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. What was I doing wrong, being a good shepherd? I was chasing the sheep. Where is Jesus the good shepherd? Once we know his voice, he asks us to follow him. And sometimes within Christianity, we get a bit bogged down. Oh, Jesus is chasing me into this rule and that rule and this rule. If we're thinking that, we've not got the message of Jesus. Jesus says, follow me. He doesn't chase us into doing certain things, but he simply asks us to follow him. And why does he ask us to follow him? Here's a cycling story. So last, last summer, I, um, I cycled from John O'Groats to Land's End with my mate Sam, who's getting married next Saturday. God bless you, Sam. And uh, he, um, he's a big guy. He's a powerful rower. And if you look at me, I'm quite skinny. So when it got to, um, got to the hills, I could do them on the hills. I could climb all day long because I'm nice and light. But when it got to the flat, Sam puts his foot down and he goes. And the best place for me to be when Sam was on the flat is just tucked in behind his back wheel. Now, if you know anything about cycling, it's about 30% easier to cycle if you're just tucked in behind someone's wheel because they're pushing the air besides, so it kind of creates a slipstream for you to cycle behind. So that's why they cycle so close. So at times in that cycle ride, I would go an hour not knowing where we were going, not knowing where we are, not looking to the left, not looking to the right, just looking at Sam's back wheel, putting my pedal round and round and round. And so I knew that if I was there, it would be easier, and I was in the safety of Sam's back wheel, and he would guide us. He had the map, he would know where we were going, and it would be a lot easier if I stuck to his back wheel. A couple of times, I fell off the back of Sam's back wheel, and if he, if he didn't realise, he'd be off. And all of a sudden, I'd be without the map, I'd quickly get lost, I'd get tired, I'd get demotivated. I think that's a good example of what Jesus asks of us when he says, follow me. He doesn't ask us to follow him because he's selfish. He knows that he's got the best intentions for us. Just like Sam knew the way to go, Jesus knows the right direction for our lives. I didn't necessarily see, I couldn't see ahead. I was just looking at the back wheel. I was trying to keep that distance as close as I could. So in life, sometimes we don't know where Jesus is guiding us in the long, in the long distance. But if we stay close to him, then we know that it's going to be easier for us. And if we trust his voice, he will lead us in the right direction. 
So that's number one, the voice. Number two, that he leads us. And then number three, um, if we go to verse, where is it? Verse nine, it says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go out and find pasture. So once we've recognized and trusted God's voice, once he's led us, he, it says in verse nine that he will lead us to pasture. And as a sheep, What's the best thing in the world? It's a nice, juicy field of grass. And um, recently, my, my life's going to sound really attractive in the last few weeks, bit of camping, but two weeks ago, I just came back from India. And uh, I, as a geography teacher, I took, took out 10 kids, me and another teacher, um, and we spent uh, a week in a boarding school living life with these uh, Indian students who were so hospitable. It was a really special time. And whilst we were in the school, it was actually quite safe. And we felt really loved, really well looked after. We had curry three times a day, which didn't do good for the stomach, but it tasted amazing. And um, yeah, it was amazing. But me and Kate, who's the other teacher, at the start of the week, we were like, we know it's going to be quite safe in the boarding school, but we want to go and experience the real India. We want to go and experience life in India. So we planned two days to go into the city. And um, we were right in the middle of India in a place called Hyderabad, which is a little less known, but it's the fourth biggest city. And uh, we drove in in these taxis. And we were with our 10 students. And the first time we got out the safety of the, uh, of the taxi, we opened the door on the street. And all of a sudden, it's like there's an explosion on your senses. There's noises, there's sounds, there's smells, there's people tapping you, buy this, buy that, come here, let's go. There's bibs, there's smoke, there's just finding it hard to breathe. It's about 40 degrees, it's hot. And then you go through the street, and we got to this, uh, this place, this historical place. We went inside, and then we were back out into the street with all these senses, just overload, overload, overload. And then Kate was at the front of the group, and she led us, and she led us back in to the taxi. And once you closed the door of that taxi, it was like, wow, we're in the safety of the car. There's aircon, and there's no one tapping me, asking me for money. And it was that kind of moment of, is the most exciting place in the world for those kids or for us inside a cat taxi? Definitely not. But that was, at that time, that was the best place for us to be. And I think in life, we can kind of get a bit caught up with, oh, I want to go from this adventure to that adventure to this to this. But really, Jesus, the good shepherd, he says he will lead us out and find pasture. And sometimes we need to just rest and be and just just, just be still. In this hectic world where there's so many things going on a million miles an hour, even, uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a, a weird example, but coming back from New Day, I was a bit tired. Uh, stay awake, guys, from New Day. Yep. And uh, I, just, I went to the toilet and I had my phone. And I thought, I'm not going to take my phone because I could just easily check the cricket score and not think whilst I'm on the phone, but on the toilet, sorry. And, uh, but, but, yeah. but during that time, I was able to think, just to kind of reset myself and think, pasture on the toilet <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, the, the point is to get back to, to a serious point is that Jesus knows you and knows the pasture that will be best for you. He knows the place where you will find rest and you will be sustained. So that's the third point that Jesus leads us once we've stuck to him, once we've recognized his voice to good pasture. And then the third, fourth and final point um, about the good shepherds is that the good shepherds leads to life, and the bad shepherds leads to death. 
And um, if we have a look at verses 10 to 13 again, it says, The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And I think Jesus made the distinction, I am the good shepherd. If he was the only shepherd, he probably would have said, I'm the shepherd. I think Jesus was saying this because not only was there good shepherds, but there were bad shepherds. And um, these bad shepherds, they dress up and try to take the place of the good shepherds. They put on a bit of a disguise and they might fool you and me into thinking, I'm a good shepherd. And um, these good shepherds also have people following them and they do lead people to satisfaction but they take shortcuts and the pastures that they lead people to are very small and they might be really juicy for for a season for a, a week a day but then it's gone and suddenly guilt and shame might come upon you or the, the pastures that they lead you to that shortcut is a dangerous shortcut it's over a cliff top it's through a thorny bushes it's through a pack of wolves I know I'm speaking in a kind of a story term here, but let's think about what are the bad shepherds in our lives that are the dressed up shepherds that will lead to this destruction. Maybe it is that a bad shepherd is literally a person, a person that is influencing you, that you are following, and it's leading you into things that you don't want to be doing. For a stage, yeah, it leads to satisfaction, but you get caught up in that. Maybe a, a bad relationship, or maybe being pressured, or maybe, yeah, getting caught up in something that you thought for a stage it was good but now it's lead led to bad or it might be that the bad the bad things are the bad shepherds are the things in this world that seem good at a time but then become consuming maybe like materialism like greed like lust all of these things are disguised as good things good shepherds that we would follow and that, yes, they bring satisfaction, but eventually we'll be down this rocky path and we would have realized we've come a long way and there's nothing left for us. And um, just a, a kind of a thought on that. I know there's the example of uh, the Truman Show. And in the Truman Show, there's um, Truman is trying to escape, trying to get to Fiji. And he tries to get a boat, and um, he gets on a boat, and the, everyone's an actor. And he, he doesn't know that. He's kind of finding that out. And when he gets on that boat, he's trying to get to a destination. The boat goes nowhere because the guy dressed as the good shepherd, the good sailor, is a fake. He's actually just a normal man. He's an actor. So Truman can't get to where he's trying to go. And it might be similar to us. We're trying to get somewhere. We try and put our trust in a bad shepherd because it's a shortcut. It's easier than following maybe the good shepherd. It's, it's a quick fix when we're trying to follow the good shepherd. But actually, it's never going to get us to the place that we want to be. And um, 
kind of a, for thinking about this earlier, I just felt to, to build on that story of a, of a sheep following a bad shepherd and, and going down a rocky path and you might think, oh, I've gone down this and I've chosen maybe that, 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 that kind of badge to follow the bad shepherd of, of say, lust. And it's led, led you onto a, a quick bit of satisfaction, but suddenly that bit of grass is gone and then you fall down a cliff and you're suddenly a long way from the good shepherd. You're, you're kind of feeling, oh, no, I can't hear the voice of the good shepherd. And then you're tired, you've hurt yourself, you're, you're kind of feeling oh, a bit overwhelmed by everything, you're losing energy, you're hungry, and you think it can't get any worse. And what happens if it can't get any worse in the UK? It starts to rain. <laughs> and the bad shepherd now is in a place where it's starting to rain. And he's down a bit of a ditch. And he's beaten up, he's broken, he's followed the bad shepherd, he's made some bad choices. It's ended up pretty poorly. And in that rainy moment, he realizes that the sheep that's got lost, that there's water building up around him. And not only is he wet and cold, he realizes water is going to come up and come up. And it starts to go over his head and he takes what he thinks will be his last breath. Because these bad decisions have led to death. And we've just, I've said at the start of this point that the bad shepherds would lead to death. So the sheep closes his eyes and accepts this death. But then, the good news in verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Just as that sheep thinks he's about to die, the good shepherd has followed him, has chased him, has come after him, comes up from beneath him and lifts him up above the water. The good shepherd is willing to die, willing to drown, willing to drown for me and for you, to lay down his life for the sheep. And in that moment, the sheep is restored, is rescued. Nothing that he did earned his salvation, but the good shepherd is the one that saved him. And I believe that all of us in this room, in fact the Bible tells us that all of us have followed bad shepherds at some time or another. And that we all desperately need Jesus the Good Shepherd. Jesus the Good Shepherd knows each one of our names. And that brings us on to what did Jesus mean when he said, I am the door. So, if we go um, back to verse, verse 9, it says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And I kind of think that Jesus wants us to think of these two things together, that if you were to imagine Jesus, the door, but Jesus, just like the good shepherds, isn't the only door. Next to Jesus, the door, is also many other doorways, one of lust, one of greed, one of materialism, one of selfishness, one of pride. And Jesus says, I am the door. He who enters me, through me will have eternal life. It says in 27, 28, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hands. 
We have a choice to make. And I think as sometimes, having been at New Day this week, it's been amazing to see some of the youth become Christians. But it's a big reminder that being a Christian isn't a one-done thing. I'm a big lover of this author called Toza who said... Um, being a Christian isn't a one-done decision, but it's a continual gaze of the soul at God. And in terms of us looking towards Jesus, the door, the good shepherds, yes, some of us here might need to make that decision for the first time, that Jesus has given his life to you. He's lifted you up out of that, that uh, flood, out of sin and death, and given you life. But also, each day as Christians, we need to do the same, that we need to choose the door that is Jesus. That we need to follow the, the good shepherd after choosing each morning the, the door of Jesus.